This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast and Happy New Year to you. It's New Year's Day, we've got a big game tomorrow. Liverpool are coming down to New Griffin Park and I'm sitting here after adding a little bit too much uh, Christmas cheer. Uh, we were in the Hackney Wick <laughs> quite late uh, on Friday night, I think it was, after the West Ham game. Obviously, a bit of celebration was had there as we beat the West Ham 2-0. But then, like I said to you, a few drinks was had there. Then we've had the New Year's Eve, and then now we're focusing on the Liverpool game. And like I said to you, short gap between the West Ham game and the Liverpool game. So we haven't done a full podcast. We're going to do one of our infamous mini-pods today. We get one of our chums on the other end of the line just to give us the lowdown. And I've got Neil from the Anfield Rap on the line. Neil, how are you doing? Very well indeed, Billy. Uh, always good uh, to speak to Besotted. Uh, always a pleasure, never a chore. Yeah, always good to chat to you as well, Ben. So listen, how, I mean, how's your new, first of all, so how's your, your Christmas festivities, your celebrations, how is it? All good, yeah. I mean, there's, there's something, even though it was a dreadful game of football, there's something marvellous about uh, a game on a Friday night between Christmas and New Year. Eight o'clock kick-off, uh, absolutely glorious for Anfield. Uh, I think everyone had a big afternoon, uh, and most definitely a big evening was had on the 30th. So that somewhat, you know, put a bit of a uh, undermine me 31st, but then I'm never a big one for New Year anyway, and I was at Villa Park on Boxing Day, so I feel like I've, you know, I've, I've ticked some serious boxes there, and it's just great to have the football back. Um you know, I'm, I, Liverpool's obviously a little bit different to the rest of the country where the all-international stuff's concerned. So, you know, it, we've everyone, well, some people had an eye on the World Cup. So a lot of people enjoyed it, and I hope they did if they, if they got the opportunity to do it. But it feels as though it's good to have the real business back, and, and I've, I've really enjoyed I've really enjoyed Villa Park, and I thought Liverpool were good, uh, first half especially. Less so against Leicester, but then, you know, we all got to go out until 4am, so it's one of them. Yeah, that's said, and, and my mate Adam, like I said to you from Baltimore, he, uh, he gives you the big thumbs up as well because you made him... And his wife's uh, evening very, very, very <laughs> happy because they uh, they made it down to Anfield as well. They they didn't know they were going to get a ticket, but last minute you came up trumps for them, so he appreciates that very much. And he's on the plane oh, now, kind. on the way back to Baltimore, and I'm sure he's going to send you lots of Baltimore big ups, like you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but don't worry, I don't think he's uh, he's converted to Liverpool. I think I think we got. Him, I think he came down to Brentford a bit earlier, so he's he's fully he's fully on bees, as they say. Uh, you know, you got him oh, first. 
Yes, that's right. You got in first. But listen, it it almost wasn't a happy new year for you because you, you were 1-0 down to Leicester. And uh, if it wasn't for a couple of own goals, uh, you could have been sort of kind of crying in your soup, couldn't you? It was, it was uh, certainly for the first 35 minutes, it was amongst the worst I've seen Liverpool play in a decade. Um, it really was. They were absolutely dreadful. Uh, you know, there's a new, numerous bad performances uh, from some from some senior players. The captain Henderson was was dreadful, uh, especially for the for the first hour uh, as a whole. Um, Joel Matip doesn't play at all well. Andy Robertson doesn't play at all well. Uh, the goalkeeper's distribution. You know, this is the, the man who's reputed to be the best goalkeeper in the world. I think he is the best goalkeeper in the world. His distribution was absolutely awful. Um, Liverpool were really really bad, uh, and there's a couple of you know, a couple of mitigating circumstances and there's a couple of uh, good performances in amongst all of there. Uh, but Liverpool were were poor, uh, really poor. And it was a it was, it was a dog of a game. Um, and then we get unbelievably fortunate with two own goals from one player. Uh, I think there's a couple of reasons for his, his decision-making that leads to those own goals. Well, I think there's one reason and his name is Darwin Nunez. But I think that ultimately, you know, we do get very, very fortunate. And then the second half, the one thing, the credit I'd give Liverpool, even though it's not as though they start playing football from the gods or anything in the second half, the credit I'd give them, though, is that Leicester are restricted to very, very few chances. And this was the sort of game, even even after the gifts from Leicester, uh, back in October, we'd have found some sort of way to hand that back to the opposition. You know, we, we were very good at gifts at the minute, this Liverpool side, or we were. And I think we've got better and better. So I think that we still... You know, three months ago, I think we possibly still would have found a way to not win that game. Um, so the one thing that I, I, you know, the credit that has to be given to the side, the manager, everyone else, is that we do that Leicester do give us the two gifts, but we don't give them one in return, and we see it out. We get the three points, and it means we're in a, a tidy run of league form all of a sudden, um, which might come as a minor shock given our travails and the fact that we're not on the table where we should be. But, you know, Liverpool have, have got themselves a, a decent set of re- results now over 10, 12 games, which is obviously good from our point of view. Uh, and we, we do need to keep it going. I mean, just quickly talking about Leicester, because we spoke a bit earlier in the season and we were talking about the teams who are going to be at the top and the teams are going to be down the bottom. And the team that you actually picked out straight away was Leicester because you said, look, you know, as far as you're concerned, you just can't see them doing the business because they haven't kind of, you know, they didn't have the quality of players and and, and, and stuff. But seeing them play then, I know you beat them. Are you still the same about Leicester? Because they're still, you know, they're still sort of mid-table-ish, aren't they? The, the, the funny thing with Leicester is, I think, I just think it now doesn't look like it's fun for anyone. And they've stopped feeling as though they're, a, they're a going sort of positive force moving forward the the line I keep using is the old Woody Allen line that a relationship's like a shark uh, it has to keep moving forward or it dies and what we've got on our hands here is a dead shark and I don't think Leicester are going to go down but I think there's an element where Leicester post FA Cup win they've just been a little bit of a dead shark two seasons back to back coming fifth not really refreshed the squad I mean that both in terms of certain players moving on who might feel as though they should play for, for a Champions League side um, the two fifth place finishes are massive achievements you know the, the, the finishing fifth there and it in finishing fifth, you're finishing ahead of sides with massive budgets like Manchester United, conceivably, or Chelsea or Tottenham. You know, to finish fifth, you've got to be finishing ahead of one of those sides. Um, and that was really, really good. Now you're looking at them, and I think part of the reason why they found the start of this season hard and now they found the restart hard is that ultimately all these footballers, you know, what's the purpose of playing for Leicester? And 
I think that you know you've got to have that that feeling of of refresh of new challenge, even if the new challenge is just a new way to stay at the top. Um, and I think they've they've lost that a little bit. And you know, I actually thought it was interesting. Obviously, two one player conceding two own goals will take the wind out of anyone's sails. But they were much the better side first half at Anfield, and then second half they don't come out with the tails up. They don't come out with sort of uh, the idea of you know forget that boys, let's go and deal with it. They looked to me like they were feeling a little bit sorry for themselves. And I think that's sort of just where they found themselves. So, no, I don't think they'll go down. I mean, I'd be furious if they did, given the fact that, you know, our our neighbours uh, should not be given any succour <laughs> from any uh, other side at the moment, it's fair to say. So, I, you know, I don't think that they should be in a situation where they're going down, but I think there's every chance that exactly the sort of side who Brentford, for instance, could well finish above. Not least because everything at Brentford still pretty much feels like an adventure. Everyone feels as though they're moving forward. Everyone knows that, for instance, feeling ele- finishing 11th would be a massive achievement. Everyone's pulling in the same direction. And I think that, you know, that's, you know, the manager signed a new contract. He can see that he's got ongoing challenges there. And I think it's just an interesting comparison between these two sides now is that, you know, 11th for Leicester to feel as though they'd let the side down. 11th for Brentford would feel good. And guess what? The sides where 11th would feel good are the ones who've just got much more about them, much more pep, much more vigour. And I think that Leicester, you know, in comparison, I, I feel as though, for instance, the game against Brentford is going to be a much bigger challenge for Liverpool than the game against Leicester, even though we went out of our way to make the game against Leicester as difficult as possible. Yeah, I mean, and talking about your season, <clears throat> just coming back to that as well, I mean, your season in general, I mean, I think it'd be fair to say that you haven't had the best season in the fact, uh, and this is, in compar- I mean, if it was us, we'd be, we'd be delighted, you know what I'm saying, but in comparison to the seasons that you've had uh, before, and also, you know, if you, it's, even if you look at last season, and you know, where you're actually trying to pit Man City for the title, this one, you sort of kind of may feel that you have given up uh, or not given up, but you've uh, you've missed the boat on a couple of occasions because of a couple of really, really, and I'm going to say it straight up, a little bit dodgy results, you know. I mean, it started off with Fulham, oh. which made me wanted to cry, you know, that you couldn't beat Fulham <laughs> in the first game of the season, you know. But then since then, you've had quite a, you've had quite a few kind of like not great results, you know, the Nottingham Forest, you've had, you know, quite a few not results. No, just talk to us quickly about your season and give it a marks out of 10 and, 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 and what's gone wrong. Mark's out of 10 right now, you know, it's got to sit as a, you know, let's allow a five um, in that we're out of our Champions League group, um, so that's something, uh, and it could have been worse, you know, it feels lots of ways worse than than, than played than played 16, 28 points, again, we have won the last four league games, but I mean, what's gone wrong is, I think there's a variety of factors, I think that last season we played every single football match it was possible to play, um, and I think that that has taken a toll. I think that the players themselves were maybe a little bit deflated. I think that the manager, if he was well, when he has been asked about it, he's felt as though they've got they got pre-season wrong, uh, and that they, they 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 made a couple of mistakes there. They chose not to strengthen, especially in the middle of the park. But they chose not to strengthen that much uh, the side. And there's a couple of reasons for that. I don't think it's that easy to strengthen Liverpool in a couple of ways. You know, the manager's very much one who, who constantly says he doesn't want a massive squad. So I think Liverpool have always got one eye on if they can move someone on. Uh, great. But that said, I think that it would have been good to have got another uh, young physical body in. I think there's the, side, the squad... Less so now, you know, the Gakpo signing is, is another example of us fixing it, but we had a bit of a problem where we had a lot of good prospects under 21, and we have a lot of senior pros over 29, and there's not that much in the gap in between. There is Trent Alexander-Arnold and Joe Gomez, uh, you know, there is Diogo Jota, there is uh, Luis Diaz, but there wasn't, you know, there wasn't that much in between, and not much of it in the middle of the park either. So we we end up in the situation, I think, where 
things aren't quite right at the start of the season. The manager then also changes the shape uh, and says that part of the reason why he goes on to say is that he felt everyone had got a bit stale. Uh, he's now sort of changed it back. Uh, and part of the, the, the fortune turn for us in October is when it changes back. And then there's just some shocking individual performances or more accurately shocking individual moments. Uh, many of you, you know, many besotted people may have watched Arsenal versus Liverpool. And don't get me wrong, Arsenal, you know, play well on the day, but we give them three gifts. You know, they win the game 3-2 and it's three gifts from Liverpool. Uh, dreadfully timed, one in the first 90 seconds, one in the last 90 seconds of the first half when actually it was 1-1 and we were we were on top in the game. And the, the passage of play that leads to the penalty when Liverpool fail to clean the lines on six occasions and themselves bring their own, the ball back into their own penalty box through Thiago Alcantara was just amongst... In the end, the referee gives the penalty and I'd like to think he just did it out of sheer decency. Uh, you know, these people are desperate to concede this goal. Let's just make it easier for them. It was awful football. And there's been moments like that in a number of these games over the course of the season. So it's a, it's a strange sort of confluence of factors, but nothing's gone other than realistically the idea of being able to challenge for the league title. And trust me, if Manchester City have a stuttering season uh, and we're not there to take advantage, having been runners-up to them, breaking 90 points on two occasions, I'll be pretty furious about it. But, you know, what will be will be on that front. We've just got to now pull our bits back together, do what we've been doing, which is grind some results out and see if we can look upwards. Um, and right now we sit four points off Manchester United, who are in fourth. Uh, we're six points off Newcastle with a game in hand, who are in third. We're even, you know, if you want to go into it, eight points off Manchester City in second. So Tottenham, as we're recording this, look like they're going to drop some points. So if we win our game in hand on Tottenham, we go above them, but Tottenham just aren't very good. So, you know, we've got to, we've got to look upwards now, uh, take advantage of the fact that the good thing about being in a race for the top four is everyone plays everyone else all the time so someone's got to drop points so if we can if we can hold if we can hold our nerve nothing should be sort of damaged by how bad we were prior to the world cup and especially in august september uh, and october nothing should be damaged by that but it will still stick in the craw a little bit this season if they don't set themselves right pretty soon Mm, i've got to ask a question i mean have you given up and I'm, and I'm saying that because when I speak to you before, I find it really interesting because you look at particular games and if you don't pick up three points from that game, you basically say season's over. And I'm like, I mean, that's just, that's very alien to us because we're like, keep going, no. keep going. But you, and it's cool. It's just, I see it for you because you see yourselves having to basically battle against these teams at the top who are winning, winning, winning all the time. So if all of a sudden you lose against or drop two points against Brentford or top two, three points against Fulham or something like that, that kind of just completely ruins your flow, in effect. So, so I'm just, that's what yeah. I'm doing. So I think, I think part of why we struggled at the start of the season, especially when we weren't playing very well, is that when you've been used to going toe-to-toe against Man City, so the back end of last season, the running, we win practically every game, apart from when we go to Manchester City, where we draw. So we draw at the Etihad, and we win, I think it's something like, of our other, of our other games, we win eight of nine, say. So the last ten, we, win, we, we're, we're, we go to City, we draw, we have Tottenham at home, we draw, and we win the other eight. And when you go toe-to-toe with City, when we've gone toe-to-toe with City, and this is why it will genuinely be infuriating if City decide to act like a normal football team, you know that if you don't win, you, you've, you've lost two points. That's it. That's the way it's been for us. You know, when we won the league with 99 points, and when we won the league, we were, we were, we were played, uh, played 27, won 26, drawn one at one point because that was what we felt we had to do you just had to win every single game because the season before we were runners up with 97 points 
you know, 97 points is absolutely insane. It is dropping only 17 points over the course of a season. So we, we, we were runners-up with 97 points. We've been runners-up with 92 points. And when you go in with City, when we've been going with City there, anything but a victory, especially if you're not playing a side that we're going to finish in the top four, will feel like two points dropped. Now, we start this season, and I think that was really beginning to weigh on these Liverpool players, because you basically kick off 1-0 down. You basically kick off and you need a goal. And that's and away from home, you kick off and you need a goal. And that's not really the way football should be. You know, you, you, you shouldn't feel that sort of constant scoreboard pressure. But I think those players felt it. And, and we definitely felt it in the stands. So then when the opposition score, and we had we went through the spate of the opposition scoring first, then when the opposition score, you feel like you're 2-0 down. Because you've got to score two to feel like you've got to feel like you've just got par to feel like you've got what you need to get out of the game. You now need to score two, and that's just exhausting. Genuinely, it's been exhausting going toe to toe with this Manchester City side. Come and it, listen, you know I want to be really clear about this. We're unbelievably fortunate to watch the brilliant footballers and the brilliant football team that we have, and to challenge for the honours that we challenge for. But it has been last season was as someone going to the games and doing the job that I do, it was absolutely exhausting. And then it culminates in Paris, which was obviously horrible. Uh, not so much for the on-the-pitch stuff. Sometimes you get people for the off-the-pitch stuff as well. And that also swept up some people who were attached to the players and to the, 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 the training squad. None of that ended well. So this season, if you say you have given up, I've not given up on the idea of a really good season. I think Liverpool come in the European Cup. I think Liverpool should still finish from this position in the top four. I don't feel as though, for instance, we're going to overturn the current deficit between us and Arsenal. So I don't feel as though, you know, it's currently sitting at 15 points. Let's allow, you know, to be fair, there are still 22 games left to play and they've still got to come to Anfield. But I don't, I don't quite see a situation where, you know, the form they're in, we're turning 15 points over on them uh, across the remaining 22 games. But I still think we can have a really good season. I still think that we can finish third quite comfortably if we, if we get our act together. So I haven't given up, but... It's still that idea of, and the reason why at times in the past I've, I, we've had that attitude of you can't afford to drop points in this set of places is simply because you feel as though you're going up, up against a side in, in Pep Guardiola's Manchester City, and I think this will still happen to Arsenal this season, where they're more than capable of just basically playing 15 games and winning 14 of them. And when that's what you're up against, any game that you don't win will therefore feel as though you've dropped points. Even if you've had a great game, even if it's been a really good occasion, the 3-3 at Brentford last season's a great example of it. And even the 3-3 in Brentford, when Liverpool make it 3-2, Klopp decides to throw another attacker on because he feels as though he needs one more goal to make this safe. But he doesn't want to be hanging on for 3-2. He wants to go make it safe. Liverpool have a couple of opportunities. They don't take them. And guess what happens? Brentford go up the other end and make it 3-3. And it was a great game, and Brentford acquitted themselves really, really well. A draw is probably the fair result. And in years gone by, literally, you know, not go, I'm not going back to the, like the 1980s. In the year 2007, you know, everyone's able to shake hands and say that's a great point. But when you know you're trying to beat Manchester City to a league title, you end up being annoyed. And that, I don't want that to be the case. I think league titles, it'd be great if they were won with 86 points, 88 points. But if they're going to start going with 97s and 99s and 100s, then you've just got no wiggle room whatsoever, and it actually makes enjoying some games harder. Yeah, no, I get that as well. So, I mean, just, I mean, obviously, we're uh, January now. Windows, yep. uh, it might be open or it might be opening very soon. I mean, I, I doubt it's going to be open New Year's Day because I'm sure people are nursing hangovers on New Year's Day, so no windows opening. But in, in and around now, the windows opening. So, I'm going to ask you. Do you think there's anything that Liverpool need to do this window or do they just have to just go with the flow and, and wait till summer? 
They've gone with Gakpo, um, and a few Liverpool supporters don't quite understand spending money on the attack when you could be spending money on the midfield. Um, I've got a bit of sympathy in that he hasn't got um, Diogo Jota until end of January, start of February, and I don't think he'll want to rush him back. I think he might think he rushed him back from the last injury, and uh, Luis Diaz is out until March, and I think he feels as though he needs another attacking threat. Roberto Firmino, hopefully he'll be in contention for the game against Brentford. If not, he should be back pretty soon, but I think he feels as though he needs another attacking option in there. I'd love them to do uh, a midfielder. I think they're going to need to do two minimum in this window and in the next one, Um, but I think they are very committed to giving themselves every chance of signing Jude Bellingham. So I think that that is the number one midfield sign that Liverpool want to make and they think they can make. I think this is an important thing. I think Liverpool really do feel as though they can come to an agreement with Dortmund and with the player. But they're not going to do that in January. Uh, That is going to be a a summer job uh, from a Liverpool point of view. So unless there's some sort of mag clause that we don't know about and that no one knows about, I just don't quite see how Liverpool come to an agreement with Dortmund, not least because Dortmund are also in the Champions League uh, last 16 and they're not going to want to let you know one of their better players go in that instance. So I think that I'd like them to, to be proactive and, and creative in terms of looking for a midfielder, maybe take a couple of risks uh, with the right profile. We've been using Harvey Elliott a little bit too much in the middle of the park for my liking, uh, which sounds harsh because he's a young lad and he's obviously full of potential and promise. But he's just got himself a little bit exposed, um, I feel, across the last few games where I think sides have worked out. He's he's young, he's he's not particularly quick, he's not particularly big. Well, he's, he's actually small as a footballer. And so I think he's just found himself in a, in, a, in a little bit of bother. So I think that they could do with, you know, there's nothing wrong with them going and signing a young midfield prospect. And there's nothing wrong with them going and signing uh, someone who, who might take a bit of time to adapt. But I think that that player could do with being able to be more of a defensive, physically imposing player than Elliot has been for us. So if they were to go and get one of them, then I'd be absolutely delighted. There's every chance that they just don't. Uh, they don't feel as though they can get someone who'll come in and add long term because the one thing he won't want to do the manager is buy someone just for five months they've sort of tried to do that a couple of times since he's been at Liverpool and it's never worked Uh, I think he'd rather have a player that he feels as though he's got five years with than the idea of a player he's got five months with so I don't see them doing a stopgap or a short term solution a quick fix so that's a bit of a shame for us so yeah ultimately I think we're looking at looking at it only being Gakpo in this window um, and the manager feeling as though he can he can make do amend uh, between now and the summer, which is obviously a bit of a risk, but it is risk to take. He's the, he's the gaffer. Yeah, and, and, and looking and talking about the league, because obviously, you know, you, you, you're still looking at a top four place, but obviously with the top floor place, there's, there's certain teams that you always talk about in those positions. You talked about Tottenham, you talked about Man United, you talked about, you know, Arsenal. Uh, but there's, there's a bit of a gate crasher. It's turned up this time as well, which has kind of upset the apple cart a little bit. Uh, Newcastle. Now, I'm just wondering, that, because last time we, we spoke, or last time we played, Newcastle weren't even in the picture, like, you know, last season. All of a sudden, they've popped up there and they're causing all sorts of problems. Do they worry you? In the long term, I think they should worry everyone connected to English football. But in the short term... Um, I think they're playing really well. I think they're a good side. I think they're really well coached. I think he's got a really clear plan uh, of what he's trying to achieve with the investments as it's gone in so far. Um, But I still expect Liverpool, at the very least, to finish ahead of them. I think that we... I'm more concerned in the short term by Manchester United than I am about Newcastle. I feel as though I feel as though the the United manager, with all of their resource and all of the talent they had already amassed, has managed to pull them into into relatively relatively decent shape. I think Newcastle's next few are going to tell us an awful lot. Um, you know, I think the game week, as they now get referred to, that we're playing uh, Brentford, Newcastle have got to, have got to go to Arsenal. Um, 
and then off the back of that they've they've got a couple of sort of slightly more straightforward ones to follow but what's going to happen I think to this Newcastle side is they're going to start to be respected completely by the opposition and what I mean by that is a lot of people are now going to go to St James's Park and think it draws a good result and a lot of people are going to be at home against Newcastle and think it draws a good result and that changes the way football works as soon as that happens you know, it's tough to go to an away ground where the opposition are going to set up in a relatively deep block, say break us down, where the opposition fans are going to cheer a throw in uh, because it stops you from scoring. You know, all of that's the thing that I think is in the post for Newcastle in the relatively near future, and that makes it all a little bit a little bit trickier and puts a little bit onus, a little bit more onus on you to create. And I think that 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 might be the point where it gets a little harder. But listen, they're there where they are at the minute on merit. We've got to bear that in mind, um, and. They're going to be in this picture next season as well, no matter what happens this season. Uh, I think, though, as I say, over the long term, there's massive questions to be asked about where we do or don't want money in football to come from. Uh, and, uh, you know, if it was me, I don't feel as though the, the, the Newcastle takeover should have been allowed to proceed. I want to be really clear about this. I don't think that the current owners of Newcastle should be allowed to own, for, own a football club. I don't think the previous owner of Newcastle should have been allowed to own a football club either. Uh, and the sooner something like the Crouch Review is in, which argues for a license around who should or shouldn't own a football club that has to be renewed on a regular basis the sooner football will be in a better position and I don't for one second begrudge the Newcastle supporters on this either you know let's be clear about this Mike Ashley was amongst the worst people who could conceivably own a football club because of his behaviour within it and what he did was he stripped an entire region of hope and it was disgraceful but ultimately, I, I think that football clubs as cultural institutions do need to be protected uh, and they need to be protected f- from having the wrong type of ownership. Uh, the game itself needs to be protected by the wrong type of, from the wrong type of ownership. I would not want, and there's some talk at the minute, Liverpool are for sale and I would not want Liverpool to be owned by a state. I've got no interest in it. You know, I, I really would not want that to happen. And if that did happen, it would really make me question my relationship with, with Liverpool um, and... I'm able to do that from a position of, of relative security and I've watched Liverpool win a league, I've watched Liverpool win a European Cup but I, I'd find it difficult uh, if the sort of thing that has happened to Newcastle happened to Liverpool to continue with my sort of nature and level. Picture the scene, all of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Support. 
Yeah, and, and, and again, there's a bigger conversation. There's lots of conversations that we've had in and around Besotted Towers, as they say, with uh, us lot as well. And like I said, we could take that conversation to another to another level yeah. and maybe at another time or maybe over a beer when we come up to, to Liverpool later on in the season, bank holiday week, weekend, coronation weekend, actually. But we will move on from that. Um, but talking about um, good owners, okay, not bad owners. Brentford, obviously, owned by Matthew Benham, who we believe is a very good owner. Um, yeah. Brentford fan through and through, loves the club himself. Now, we've had a more steady season than we've had last season. Uh, I think it's fair to say we beat Manchester City, we beat, we thumped Manchester United. Actually, you said I've said that with a thump as well. As well, We should have beaten Chelsea as well. And arguably, we should have beaten Spurs a few days ago. And I mean, you mentioned the fact that Spurs aren't a very good team. It was a conversation we had on our podcast, Pride of West.London, a couple of days ago as well. Very, very good clinical players Tottenham have got, but are they a good side? That's a big question mark, but it's interesting you said what you had to say. And also, we had a good win away at West Ham um, a couple of days ago as well can we play you every week it's the third time we've played West Ham <laughs> and the third time we've beaten West Ham as well um, listen what we're going to do is we're going to go back and listen to what the fans had to say straight after the game the Brentford fans and the West Ham fans at the stadium in West Ham on Friday night wasn't the best performance but listen take that all day long wouldn't you that was a great result they ground it out well worked hard in there Mads Roslev looking good. Everything going in the right direction. Super Thomas Frank, he knows what we need. I felt like despite all of West Ham's chances, we looked in control, even though they had so many you know, shots. We looked defensively solid. I think that was just an overall really good Brentford performance. Really impressed with um, Roslev tonight as well. Thought he had a really good game. Really good game. First half, I thought we were the not, not confidently in control, but I thought... We came out the better with the chances as they were. Yeah. And then the second half we controlled. So I thought it was a well-managed game. I thought in the Tottenham match, we were clearly dominant in the first half, but took a one-goal lead. So, so I thought Frank made the adjustments this game that he didn't make against Tottenham. Well, the first 10 minutes were a bit iffy, but after that, I thought we were always in control. They never really hurt us after that, did they? Once we got the two goals, I thought we were fairly in control, kept them out to the wings. Side Ben Rama, loved the guy. But he never puts a cross in, and then we were, I thought we were fairly comfortable. The atmosphere was very poor, but all in all, it was good. I thought, didn't think we deserved to be 2 0 up at half time, but uh, held the game out well in the second half, yeah. Brentford won most of 50 50 today, you, and, and you wanted it more. And West Ham are just, just don't seem to be able to get it, get it together at all at the moment. They punched above their weight with a very, very thin squad. They finished sixth, and they got to the semis of a European competition. Now, with all the new players, they're just not playing as a team. Had a big problem with Moyes ever since he, he, he came, came in the first time, even though without Moyes and um, Arnautovic, they would, probably would have been relegated a few seasons ago. But fans don't think Moyes has got the, the tactical now to change the tactics. And he plays a very defensive game. World Cup in the middle of a season is never good. Never good. And, uh, and unfortunately, we see players like Declan Rice and Paqueta go to the World Cup, and even Vlasic, and they come back off the World Cup, and they're not showing, they're not working as a team. I don't know whether it's Moyes, we don't know. I can maybe see him being sacked in the near future. Unfortunately, Golden Sullivan won't allow it. It's, we're not the same team we were last year, to point. Unfortunately, Ben Rama didn't do anything today that was noteworthy, but we all saw it on the pitch. He's there, and he's the one trying to create that spark but he's putting ball in after ball and there's no one heading that in the back of the net and unfortunately as simple as that no one no no one's on the end of it tonight complete Moyes out moment last week we played Liverpool uh, Arsenal and uh, we watched it on TV 
absolutely dreadful. But the thing is, it's against top of the league. And I, I know as a Brentford fan, you're, you might disagree with this, but we should be we, we should be beating Brentford. I'm sorry. Teams like Brentford, yeah? We've, yeah. We have a team that did so well last season and the season before. We should be beating Brentford this season. And it hasn't happened. So I'm completely moist out at the moment. Very good result, wasn't it? I think it was... Well, an odd first half, and that we gave, we, we allowed them possession. It seemed, it seemed to be the tactic. It was the tactic, wasn't it? That, like, don't challenge Rice. When he gets the ball, he seems to be a player who can. Rice, Rice, baby. Rice, Rice, baby. We know he can play the game. So, like, when he gets it, let him control it, let him spray the pass, and then. Defend it. Defend it, because obviously they didn't think any, any of the West Ham players could do anything else. And it proved to be correct, didn't they, it? They weren't that dissimilar to Tottenham in that they liked banging balls in the box, but they just they had nothing on the, the... The deliveries were shit and they didn't have anyone on the end of the crosses, unlike Tottenham. Um, so we, we, we got 2-0 up and we held 2-0 quite, quite comfortably, if we're honest. Yeah, but either Tony... In a weird way, it might give us clarity uh, if, if he's out for a, for a long period. I think there's talk of it being something to do with a knee or something. I, I don't. We, we, ultimately, at this exact point in time, we don't know... But, it, but if he was out, say, for a long period, it would actually give us clarity. It might not be the clarity we want. If he was going to be out for a period of time, we may be rethinking how we're going to defend him. Easiest away win in the Premier League. I mean, I'm, I was struggling to find another easy, an easier away win. I thought, you know, could it have been Man City? No. <laughs> Wolves? Could it have been Wolves? You know, possibly. Uh, but this was just very, very straightforward. It almost reminded me of like you know some of those away wins in the championship under Warburton, going to Reading away in a, you know, a big stadium with no atmosphere and just fucking turning them over. It was it was quality. It's lovely to win there. I'm delighted that we finished the year off with three points. Um, unbeaten over the festive period. Unbeaten since coming back after Project Restart. Happy days, you know. Obviously concerned about Tony, but tonight let's just enjoy the win. Um, and we wrap the year off well, with, with a three points uh, at the Taxpayer Stadium. Happy days. So there you go, the fans straight after that game. And we had a, well, we had a good night, actually, after that, it's got to be said. Um, and look, look, the laugh is that, you know, can we play you every week? We were singing that to West Ham, can we play you every week? But the irony is that we're playing them again next Saturday in the FA Cup. So we are actually playing them every week. So the West Ham fans are probably going, oh, my God, no, no, not again. But anyway, just coming back to you, Neil, I mean, your thoughts on Brentford, um, just overall and just the season? Oh, I think, I think that it's another... It looks like another really, really strong season. You know, played 27, 23 points on the board. Exceptionally difficult to beat, especially at home. As far as I'm concerned, this is a. It, it's clearly a good side with a real sense of plan and purpose. And it's almost like, a, and I don't mean this to be disparaging, I think that there's been a number of sides, if you look back across the entirety of football, you know, go back through my lifetime, certainly since the since 1980, you've, you've got sides who, who get promoted and who turn up and who become almost like their own individual challenge because they've got a really clear way of playing. Uh, and they've got a really clear formula for success, and then from there you've got to you've got to try and find a way to to solve the puzzle that 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 team that club becomes. And I think that the sides who this season have have obviously because Brentford have lost at least four games have managed to solve that puzzle. But I think on the whole, you know, with only four defeats in the seventeen games that Brentford have played, it's crystal clear that this is a difficult puzzle to solve. And and that's huge credit, obviously, to everyone at the club, from the the owner right the way down to the manager, his coaching staff, uh, but the players themselves as well. And I'm very, you know, I'm very impressed from afar with what Brentford have done. And I don't quite see the point at which it necessarily stops. I think the idea of consistently having new 
new challenges and new benchmarks to pass is the thing that everyone attached to Brentford needs to make sure is there. But whilst this situation is ongoing, I think you know Brentford are one of the most impressive clubs in the division, and I think it's amongst the toughest away games you can have in the division. Um, certainly amongst the toughest away games you can have outside of the classic top six. And from there, you know any any victory at Brentford, if any win Liverpool managed to get on the second, will feel absolutely enormous. It really will, and that I think is actually a testament to to, to how well Brentford have done. Yeah, and it, interestingly, and I'll say that the team that you're going to play on on Monday, I mean, assuming that you know there's no in, you know injuries or anything like that, but in general, the team you're going to play is actually going to be very similar to the team last season because even though we picked up some players in the in the summer. You know, um, the, you know the main players that you're going to see are different. Is Ben Me, Me, as you're going to hear him as well, yep. which we got on a free from Burnley as well. Because Dalesgard, we picked up Dalesgard, but he's been on and off, and he hasn't been featuring. He's just been playing bit parts for Brentford as well. Um, Keen Potter as well, we picked up from Hull as well. He's still kind of just we're trying to sort of get him into the frame, so he's not really featuring as much. Uh, Hickey, Aaron Hickey, we got from uh, from Bologna as well. He's got injured, so you know we haven't got him in defence as well. So. Pretty much the players that we've got, you know, from last season are the players that are doing what they're doing at the moment now. And it's almost like they've learned from last season and they've joked together much more last season, uh, which in a way is, is is quite a good thing. I mean, we're currently top 10. Um, again, I'm saying this at the moment now because I haven't seen that there's games being played as we speak, you know, but we're still currently top 10. Like, you know, I mean, we talked about Brentford and you say, you know, one of the toughest teams to play. I mean, it's interesting because I like listening, sitting down and listening to your sort of analytical taking it parts of uh, football matches I mean where do you see just briefly our strengths and, and maybe where our weaknesses are I think that you, you're hugely physically imposing um, and I think that that makes a difference and it's one of the things that makes this side really difficult to beat and I think that that's something which Liverpool are going to have to be really conscious of um, really really conscious you know every single Brentford player um, I feel as though is is able to be very very impressive I think there's clear one of the things that you know when I when I work through the numbers that always sticks out with Brentford is Brentford are very very good at creating the best possible opportunities for themselves and are very very good at stopping your opportunities from being anything particularly special and that is something which is a very underrated trait in football uh, you know it, it somewhat makes a little bit of a fool of the the basic metric around for instance expected goals because sides can have relatively high expected goals against Brentford but it tends to be from a number of chances that are not good chances and Brentford themselves may not create 10 chances in a game but if they create six there's every chance that four of them are chances that you can reasonably expect to see a side stick into the back of the net and I think that that's the the trick of this Brentford side and I think it's the trick of the manager I think it's and I think that that'll go right the way through the the, the football organization is to maximize opportunities and maximizing opportunities doesn't just mean maximize the number of opportunities it's all about the quality and it's minimize the quality for opponents Brentford know that in every game effectively you know, unless they come up against a side that's that's in a really bad way, the opposition are gonna at some point dominate the ball for a period, and at some point create um, opportunities around the eighteen-yard box. But what Brentford are very good at is tempting the opposition into creating the type of opportunities Brentford are very happy to deal with, and that's I think something that sides have got to have got to have a plan about and against and around. But that takes mature footballers to do that, and you know there's a few sides who, who fall into Brentford's traps. I think it is really interesting that the record that you've got against West Ham, because I think that 
what the excellence of the West Ham manager who has been excellent recently but what he's very very good at is setting aside up to play a certain way and maximising the potential of that what he has always appeared to be less good at is fine tuning that game by game or even within games and so it's no surprise to me that Brentford are able to set up in a way that minimises West Ham's capabilities and I think that he gets he's at his best Moyes as a manager when he's got the sort of players who suit the idea of repetition in approach that's when it suits him down to the ground when he's got more variation I think he always finds it a little bit harder and that's I think what we'll Liverpool will need to find variation against Brentford they need to not they need to have a hundred ways to score a goal, not just one. They need to not fall into Brentford's trap uh, in terms of ending up shooting from distance or just pumping crosses into the box. And if they can do that, then they can create some opportunities. But simultaneously, they need to be really, really well aware of the threat that Brentford pose going the other way, the, bre- the threat that Brentford pose from set pieces as well. I mean, it's interesting you say that as well. I mean, if you're talking about creating high-quality chances as well, I mean, if in the in the, in the Justice League, they call it, this is the table based on sort of creating high-opportunity chances, the XG table as it is. You know, Manchester City are at the top, Arsenal, Newcastle, but then Liverpool are fourth and Brentford are actually fifth. And Liverpool, yep. you know, your position in that table, you're fourth, but your actual position is what, sixth. So you've kind yep. of like, you're basically, you're slightly underperforming. With Brentford, you know, we're one place below you, but we're, what, 10th place at the moment now, which shows that we're actually massively underperforming, which means that, again, it's, you know, it's being able to convert those chances. You are converting them chances much better than that what we are in the, the scenario. So we, we create the chances, but we need to be better at actually putting them in the back of the net because that's actually going to get us where we are, which is... Uh, like I said to you, which is, which is, which is, you know, which, which may happen on, on, on Monday and it may not happen on Monday. We'll see. Um, talking about creating chances and putting them into the back of the net, obviously for Brentford, um, we've got a number of players, you know, but Ivan Tony is a player who, um, is very key to how he play. He works very hard all over the pitch. He creates opportunities. He puts ball in the back of the net. He defends, he does everything. Okay. He came off against West Ham on a stretcher. It looked really bad Brentford fans were very very worried uh, after the game it was the main point of conversation in the pubs afterwards in, in Hackney Wick as we went to after the game and uh, like I said to you because he, he actually got wheeled off on one of those I think it was one of those sort of kind of you know the, the, they wheeled him on the, 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 the trolley came on and uh, the tractor came on they put him on the stretcher and then they wheeled him off and uh, and, and also the, it took quite it's quite a while as well because he, he fell and it, it, felt like, it felt like five, six, seven minutes that the old stretcher was on for I think it was an injury time and we felt the worst about Ivan Tony. we thought God if he's out if two, two months is he out for three months and then we've obviously got the situation which he is going to possibly have to go to an FA tribunal as well which may put him out for a longer time we thought maybe this is the last we've seen of Ivan Tony for quite a while but then we got a message um, he tweeted an hour and a half afterwards uh, saying uh, don't worry I won't be out for too long and then Thomas Frank in his uh, uh, press conference today said oh it's not too bad it's a bit of a twingy muscle thing I'm not quite sure what the problem is he might play against Liverpool so Ivan Tony actually may be there to cause a few problems on Monday which has really surprised the Brentford fans Ivan Tony I know you've talked about it before but him and his teammates how much damage can they cause Liverpool on Monday 
Loads. Uh, Tony's a really good player. You know, he's a really, really good player. I thought he was unfortunate not to go to the World Cup. I do wonder if the wider circumstances have sort of fed into that. But what he's got with Embueno is a really good understanding and they're exceptionally difficult to play against. The movement behind them, um, around them, sorry, works very, very well. Everyone knows Tony's strengths are not just the idea he's going to stick it in the back of the net. Or for that matter, he's just going to win a few headers. Such a clever player, such a good touch, so good at bringing his teammates into play. So, yeah, loads. I'm, I'm expecting Liverpool to change at the back. I think that in part because of Tony, but I think also in part because of the wider physical threat that, that Brentford pose. I think that Liverpool will go with Ibu Kanati uh, over Joel Matip next to Virgil van Dijk uh, in there as well. If it wasn't for the fact that he was excellent defensively against um, Leicester, I, I, I might have expected Liverpool to consider Joe Gomez at right back ahead of Trent Alexander-Arnold. I think that the manager will want to give Arnold the chance to build on that performance um, and would view perhaps playing Gomez as a little bit of a backward step. Uh, but it wouldn't surprise me if he still does that, uh, it, in, in part because, again, of the, the physical and the set-piece uh, prowess of this of this Brentford side and especially the all-round ability of that front two, uh, which it's likely to be. You know, it's interesting, Bueno only gets the hour also against West Ham, which suggests to me that Frank will want to run him uh, for the 90 against Liverpool as well in there. Um, and then, you know, all the way through there, I think that Liverpool... May not make all that many more changes. Uh, I think they'll be desperate to get Roberto Firmino back if he's fit, and I think Naby Keita uh, comes in um, for Harvey Elliott. Possibly uh, Fabinho might come in as well. Uh, he only missed the game against Leicester because because of um, his wife having a baby. So that baby's been had. Uh, that's done. So we can crack on now. Uh, so I think Fabinho comes back in as well. Uh, apart from that, I'd expect Salah to start. I think Nunez starts and and will pose Brentford a unique set of problems. Um, he really, really will. Uh, I look forward to watching him. You'll be amazed uh, what he is like when you get to see him in the flesh. Uh, and then there's a, the, apart from that, I think that, you know, as I say, I think Thiago will start. I think if, if Robertson's fit, he went off with a bit of an injury. In the end, I've actually said there's, I was saying there won't be that many changes. I, I'm actually listing a few now that I think about it. Shimakas may well start in place of Robertson because he went off with a dead leg uh, for the game against Leicester. And I don't think Liverpool will want to take the risk. Um, so, yeah, I think that's where the Liverpool side is currently uh, around fitness. Um, and I think that, yeah, I think that Canate coming in will be in part because of the threat posed by Tony and Mbueno. Right. Okay. So, I mean, and just just talking about the game because obviously Liverpool fans coming down. Like I said to you, I mean, some of you have been to Brentford before. Some of you have never been before. The first, well, the good thing about it is that you know, uh, you can drink anywhere. You can go anywhere you want to. You can wear your colours. It's uh, there's no problems. Anywhere you want to go, you come down, you're going to be completely and utterly welcome. You come down to our boozer, which is the Globe as well. We have some drinks down there as well. But then also there's lots of pubs in and around Kew Bridge. You can go around there. You can go down the river on Strand of the Green. There's loads of pubs down there, pubs over the river in Kew. But also be a little bit more adventurous. Come over into Brentford, old school Brentford, because all the pubs that are there are still serving and they're still busy and they're good vibes. The Globe, the Nelson, even the Black Dog. There's loads of places to go. Get down there early, get there at 11 and then, you know, and basically crawl around, do 25 pubs before you get to the game. You'll have a really good time and like I said to you if you see me just come up and uh, we can chink glasses before the match as we say but just got to ask you the question of course Neil the final question for today you have to give me a score prediction um, I'm going to just err on the side of uh, Brentford 1 Liverpool 2 um, I think it's going to be a really really difficult game for Liverpool it wouldn't surprise me if it ends up in a draw I just feel at the minute a draw until we can get properly back into this top four picture, and by that I almost mean in the top four, uh, I think a draw just 
wouldn't quite feel like enough for us and I think that we will we'll be going all out I think if we had five more points I think we might be a bit, a bit more relaxed uh, vis-a-vis the idea of maybe just taking a point at Brentford and what not to lose uh, I think it would obviously help us if Tony doesn't start but if he does he does and, and Liverpool will have to deal with that um, I think it'll need a really good Liverpool performance um, amongst our best away performances of the season but even though we were dreadful against Leicester, I mean, we really were. I I feel as though there's there's a little bit of momentum uh, around this Liverpool side at the minute. So I'm going to just go for for two one Liverpool, but one one or two two or even three three like last season genuinely wouldn't come as a surprise to me. Okay, and I've got to go for uh, put my neck on the line here as well. I'm going to go two one to the mighty mighty bees as well because I feel that excellent. We've got to get we've got to get we've got to get something in it. and it's New Year, a New Year, new cheer as they say. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, listen, Neil, it's been great chatting to you. Thanks a lot for uh, taking time out to speak to Besotted. Don't forget you can catch us on prideofwest.london. Don't, tell us where they can find your Anfield rap as well. Yeah, just the anfieldrap.com or download the app or whatever it takes. Uh, we've done a really good documentary about Jurgen Klopp, part one of which is on YouTube, on our YouTube channel there. I think it's got relevance for any football supporter, to be honest with you. Part three is much more focused, for instance, on his on a couple of adventures he has in Mainz rather than uh, the ones the, uh, the ones at Liverpool or even Dortmund. Um, but yeah, uh, it's really, really good work and it's it's what fan media can do at its very best and we're all very proud of it indeed. That's good. That sounds good as well. You did something with the FSF, FSA as well. You did a little documentary with them as well, didn't you? As well, recently with Amanda Jacks as well. Oh yes, we did something on that on the dark side of football uh, with, with Gareth that came out uh, back in back in July. So that's a little tr- tricky to find out, but it was out for free. So if you go to our audio boom page for that, uh, it's about uh, the the darker side of football, uh, and we were we were very pleased to work with Amanda on it. Yeah. Okay. Listen, but listen, Neil. Great chatting to you, like I said to you. Um, well, I'll catch up with you over the well, I say over the weekend. I mean, I'm 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 all over the place now because I don't even know what. No day one knows it what day anymore. it is, Billy. No one knows what day it is. <laughs> well, we'll catch up for you after the match, and like I said to you, have a great day on uh, Monday. But um, not a brilliant day, <laughs> as we say. <laughs> <laughs> I had to say that. But anyway, nice one, Neil. Thanks a lot, man. Take it easy. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.